Who knows what Jay-Z, J.K. Rowling, Bill Gates and Oprah Winfrey all have in common? Okay, I will tell you then. They have all overcome failure in one shape or form to go on to gain success in their respective careers. Welcome to My Perfect Failure. Join us as we delve into the world of our perfect failures. We will interview, explore, and discuss how our perfect failures can lead us to success. Join us and tune in. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of My Perfect Failure. Today, we have another fantastic guest. She's currently a CPA and former corporate chief financial officer. She ran on a corporate treadmill until the day her world came tumbling down. The constant effort of juggling everything was taking its toll even before tragedy struck. She then went on a personal and spiritual growth journey that she likes to call the journey to becoming my own best friend. She is passionate about supporting people on their beyond loss journey of discovering and unwrapping the gift that any loss can bring. So a very warm welcome to my perfect failure. Karen Chaston. How are you, Karen? Hi, how Paul. Are... Thank you for having me. No, thank you for being a guest. And thank you for correcting me on how to pronounce your name before we got going. <laughs> I, I definitely would have got that wrong. That's okay. Everyone well, I does. I did get it wrong. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's wonderful to have you. And obviously, I know a wee bit about you because I've had the pleasure of having an initial conversation with you. The listeners won't obviously have that background on you. So so maybe you can give us some initial insights into who Karen is. Thanks, Paul. Well, as you said, I uh, was a CPA. I, I am a CPA and I was a former CFO of a publicly listed company here in Australia. And back in 2011, the 10th of July to be precise, my um, husband and I thought we were going to have a lazy Sunday at home, but... Within minutes, we had found our youngest son by a minute because he was a twin at our back door and he had passed away several hours earlier, which, as you can imagine, was, was you know, very tragic. We thought a healthy 27-year-old had gone out the night before and then just to find him there, we had so many questions, so many, you know, why, how did this happen yeah, and everything. Yeah, which was shocking. But the way that I coped with it all was after his funeral, I just literally went straight back to work, eating more, drinking more and working even harder. And I now, you know, realise that my coping mechanisms or my non-coping mechanisms is probably a better way to describe them, were not ideal. And, you know, with I trying to live what you perceive to be a normal life after any tragic event is just not possible. And I, you know, along my journey after everything, I I have become a beyond loss expert to help people to realise that there is a gift in every loss that can happen in your life. And I know it sounds counterintuitive that, you know, how can there be a gift in loss? But the person who I have become through Dan passing would never, ever have happened if he was still in this realm. Now, I don't want anyone to misunderstand me. I certainly wish he was still physically in this realm. 
But apart from physically, he is still with me. He is guiding me. He is traveling with me. He is continually showing me signs that he is with me. And I just love the person that I have become. When I think back to who I was, to who I am now, I am I, I just love everything about my life. It's great that you've you've been able to take such a positive approach to something that clearly was incredibly traumatic at the time. Yes, it was. Just a question around obviously incredibly tragic that it happened and you you mentioned that going back to work and getting stuck into that was the way that you initially coped with it was was that a coping mechanism yeah totally though I didn't realize it at the time it was it was definitely an avoidance mechanism yeah if you know if, if I just keep my life normal it didn't happen yeah uh you know, sure, there's an empty chair at the table every night, but it didn't happen if I just carry yeah. on as normal. And and we all do it. Like there's so many of us just think if I just carry on, I just keep going, I just keep going. But it's we're not meant to keep going. Like things come into our lives to stop us, to to help us to reevaluate. You know, maybe the journey that we're on isn't the journey that we had initially set out to do. You know, so many questions come up when you take the time to stop. Is is that typical that people, when grief happens, if they lose a loved one, that they work to fill the void? Yeah, from from my experience, from what I've seen, it, it, it can be quite typical, but it can also go the other way as well. So many will go down and they won't come up. You know, I've, I've met people who lost a child, you know, 10 years ago, and they're still not. Yeah. They're still not, you know, living and loving their life. They, they're not even game to mention their name, yeah. which which for me I find incredible because I find a lot of comfort in mentioning Dan's name and Dan finds a lot of comfort in me mentioning his name. You know, when I was 13, one of my mother's brothers, her favourite brother, passed away and within six months my grandfather had passed away and he had died from a broken heart. His eldest son had passed and he, he just didn't cope. We weren't allowed to um, mention Uncle Ronnie. We weren't allowed to, you know, even talk about him or anything around my grandfather. And, and, and that's what killed him. And it's really sad. And I feel that I was given a similar journey to what my, you know, both, you know, all of my grandparents have lost a child. Even my parents lost their first child. <coughs> Excuse me. And I feel that I was given a similar journey to show people that you don't have to go down and never come back up. And and that's what I love is the fact that I have learnt from what I saw and realised that it doesn't have to be that way. And when did you realise that you were avoiding the subject by, by work? How long did it, did it take for you to realise? Well, it took me another 15 months, and to okay. be quite honest, it wasn't, in, and I didn't even 
So what I had to get another tragic event into my life for me to go, okay, what's going on here? And that second one came in the form of my company that I was working for was merging with another. And they had said to me, Karen, you're not going to be the CFO in the new company, but you'll be doing everything you're doing now and more. And I just went, yeah, that's fine, you know, sort of thing. Well, it was fine until they decided to actually tell me, oh, you'll be doing it for two-thirds of what you're currently being paid. Wow. And I know, and that was the biggest gift that they gave to me because for probably about two days I was really peeved, like how dare they treat me like this, you know. I have, you know, letters from the CEO mm. saying that I'm the oracle of the company. Yeah. I keep, you know, I set the standards, all these sort of things. And that's how they treat me. But I very quickly realized that I was only there for the money. And the fact that they were taking a third of it away, it really helped me to go, what am I doing? Like, you know, I'm living my life and from the outside I appear really, really successful. You know, I've got yeah. the job, I've got the career, the salary, I've got the house, the car, overseas trips, you know, yada, yada, yada. But on the inside I was dying. I was so unfulfilled and I didn't even realise it because I was just carrying on, carrying on, carrying on. And when I took the time to, you know, stop and listen to me and my body and our body talks to us all the time, I had this constant drum going, surely there must be an easier way, surely yeah. there must be an easier way, surely there must be an easier way. And as I looked around and at all of my peers, everyone was the same. Like everyone was not doing it the easy way. We were all struggling and... And it's really, it's, it was that that helped me to go, there's something going on here. And I know that if I hadn't have listened and hadn't taken redundancy then, I would have got another tragic event. And yeah. they would have kept coming until I stopped and evaluated. You know, like I now know health-wise, I was on the fast track to either having a heart attack a stroke, type 2 diabetes, because I wasn't looking after myself. And the more I delved into it and the more I became a life coach, the more I understood that in my wellness wheel that I've created, there's nine areas of life. And we're meant to be living in all of them every week. And I was living in one, you know, a little bit dabbling in the other, but I was just fully into my professional space. And when that was taken away from me, it was the gift. It truly was a gift for me to go, this isn't how you're meant to live life. Like, life isn't meant to be this hard. So so you had two significant events happen in pretty much close succession, right? Yeah, yeah. They were 13 months apart. And, you know, and the more that I've gone into loss and, and understanding it, there's over 40 different loss events that can affect our lives. Okay. So the fact that there's so many, don't you feel it's all designed for a reason to assist us, um, not to bring us down, like to help us to go, do you know what? When this comes, I now have strategies to to work through them and they're not non-coping strategies like they're they're 
they're great. They help people to very quickly find the gift of that loss and to probably end up pivoting a little bit in their life, but getting back onto a road that is assisting them to live their best possible life. Yeah. One question I have. So you had the unfortunate passing of your your son. And yes. And then you had the job situation where you yes. took redundancy. That's a hell of a lot to absorb and to, to digest and to make sense of it. One would be challenging enough but two that's a, that's a lot for anybody but for you to to almost see it as a as a gift an opportunity i'm just interested to know how that happened what was that eureka moment where you felt actually i need to make the best of this situation and can you can you talk a little bit about that yeah well I, you know and and the journey sort of happened over about four or five years after i left my corporate job so I initially started with a with an amazing group where I, I got my life coaching um, from and it's called Braveheart Women and it started in the States and it, and it, and it you know, was all over the world. Even in the UK, I have a great friend who was part of it through, who I met through Braveheart you've got, Women. You've got two now. I'm, I hope I'm a great friend as well. Ah, thank you. <laughs> um, but, you know, what, what I found was we don't understand who we are, you know, physically, uh, emotionally, spiritually, um, this mentally. And um, so along that, along that journey of coming back to understanding who I am, especially um, on a autonomic sort of biochemically way, for women to understand who they are, I, I had this greatest realization that I was in my 50s when I um, hooked up with this group and it was very much, why aren't we taught this at school? Yeah. To understand our body on such a a deep level on what brings us up and what brings us down and how we require both our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. And, you know, I was spending most of my time in the um, fight and flight response. And most people are because we're living on adrenaline. And to that realisation was one of the greatest things for me, and I'm very grateful for it, because when you understand yourself on such a deep level, you start to ask yourself some really deep questions. And it's, you know, and, and one of them is, is you know, what, what is my life about? Yeah. Like, you know, surely there's more to it than me just living in what I now call a Groundhog Day days where you're just on the treadmill where every day is pretty similar and sure you're, you know, bringing in the money and you're on the outside you appear successful, but there's got to be this fulfilment and there wasn't. There has to be a purpose. And I, I also along the way I began to realise that the greater your purpose is, the more that you want to actually help others. You want to give back. And through all of my learnings, and there are so many amazing teachers at, in the world that we live in, and the fact that we have, you know, information at our fingertips any time of the day is incredible compared to, you know, when I grew up, we got these yeah. encyclopedias and they never changed sort of thing, whereas now the information is changing. And things around your beliefs and, you know, questioning every single belief that you had and actually asking, 
is this belief even mine? And more than likely, you find out that the beliefs that you're carrying aren't even yours. You've inherited them from your parents or your grandparents or yeah. your teachers and, and all these things, these limiting beliefs that are stopping you. So along that journey, I'm constantly asking questions. And what I love is for everyone to realize is that the quality of your life really does come down to the quality of your questions. And for every question, there is an answer waiting to be revealed. And for every answer, there's an action step waiting to be taken. And every action step is moving you closer and closer to who you want to be in all areas of your life. So you're continually closing that gap from where you are now to where you want to be. And it was through that that I came to the realization that there is a gift in every loss. You know, it's it's incredible when you look at our language because our language is continually showing us how to live our life. And it's, you know, if we're not, and when we're meant to live in ease and if we don't live in ease, we're diseased. Yeah. And I just found that continually I found that there's a lesson in everything, right? And let's break, step, break down the word lesson, less on. So when you find that lesson, there is less on you. There's less angst. There is, there's less, there's less why me, you know, sort of thing. And that's what I have found that revealing all of these lessons through every tragic event, it has been less on me. And that's what I love to share with others is you're on a journey and you're on a journey to actually coming back to the true you. And we all wear so many masks. We hide behind these masks and it's about taking them off that's interesting about everything you said's been interesting but particularly about the lessons part yeah i've never heard of... anyone i've never heard anyone break that word down and i love breaking words down you yeah. know like together yeah. to get her right yeah and that when, when i got together i just went you're so right when you understand a woman in any group you can all come together and it's not about bringing her down. It's about understanding who she is because women are complicated. You know, we have, we, we don't reveal as much as men probably do. And I have found that the more you come together, the more that we can create a world where we all want to live in. So thank you, Paul. I'm glad you found it interesting. No, really interesting so do you use that in sort of everyday life so if a situation arises that is a negative one even be a positive one but i guess j just for this question i'll just say it's a negative one would you look at the lessons that are available from that situation that you can use as a positive yes i do I do. I am constantly asking myself, you know, let's let's use a situation where I have a conversation with someone and I'm and I'm not happy about this conversation, right? Yeah. So I I understand that we reflect each other. So I constantly go, okay, why am I feeling this way? What is it that's inside of me that requires healing? Like what, you know, was that the other person's intention the way I have taken this? And I will ask questions. I will say, like, just to be clear, 
this is what I, how I've interpreted what you're said. Is that what you mean? And that's the problem with most conversations is we just assume that the way we heard it is the way that it was intended. And a lot of the time it's not. And that's why we have these misunderstandings. Yeah, yeah. And so I am constantly checking to make sure that my understanding is the way it was intended. And then if it's not, well, we have a conversation about it, which is always good. But then if it was intended that way, then I say, okay, why is this affecting me the way that it is? Because no one can make you feel anything. Like we all seem to think that they can, you know, oh, when you say that, you make me feel this. And it's like, well, no, I can't make you feel anything. Um, so, yeah, I'm constantly asking myself and I'm constantly up-leveling myself. And what I've found is through doing this, you actually end up releasing some people from your life because you realise that, and, I, and you, you're vibrating at a higher level and you start to realise that you don't need the negative people, the people in your life who don't get you, who are never going to get you. You just come to a stage where you just lovingly say, well, you know, thank you for our past relationship, but, you know, I'm going in this direction. Yeah. You're not you're not prepared or you don't want to come in this direction and I honour you for that. So there's no point in us hanging out together because life is too short to be hanging out with people who constantly don't get you. Yeah, that does make sense to me. If I can touch on something you said around sort of, I guess it's around meaning for what people say because I think that's yeah. really good advice because I think sometimes when you're having conversations, sometimes I, I'm saying this because I can vision myself in those scenarios where you're having a conversation with somebody, they say something and you take the wrong meaning from what they're saying. Yeah, especially if alcohol's involved. Yeah, absolutely. And it can it can might be that you're in a stressed moment or something and somebody says something and they and because your headspace is in, is in whatever that headspace is you take it you don't take you don't understand the meaning properly and i don't always act upon it but given a little bit of time when i when sort of the situations not that there's you know a huge situation but eventually when the actual real meaning reveals itself it wasn't the sort of the negative meaning that i had in my head if that makes sense yeah it totally makes sense and 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 that's why it's about asking questions yeah because yeah. so many times people will say something and you take it and you know and sometimes you'll end up punching them or wanting mm. to punch them mm. for what they just said but and and then they're like no 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 that's that's not what i said and you know, we're all a sum of our past experiences. So the way we see the world and the way we hear the world and, and everything else is completely different to the way someone else does. Yeah. And we're constantly thinking we're all living in exactly the same world, but we're not. We see and interpret things completely different. You know, we, you know, this is probably where conspiracy theories all come from, you know, because we all do see things differently. And... What I have found is it's just a matter of asking and people don't because we, you know, for various reasons, we don't want to ask because we don't want to appear stupid. We don't want to ask because, you know, if, if I if I say something, I might actually say something I don't want to say. And there's so many reasons why, but it's in the asking that we gain the clarity. And yeah. I just love that word clarity. 
because most of us are not living life with clarity. We think we are, but we're not. We're, you know, got our rose-coloured glasses on or we've, you know, we're just so limited in our perspective because we haven't broadened our perspective. You know, um, in Australia, when I grew up, we had a, a white person policy. So I, all of my friends were Anglo-Saxon. You know, I didn't start mixing with um, different races until I was like 35, 36 when I went to um, Bond University. So, and that just broadened my perspective unbelievably so. And that's what I love is the fact that I, you know, I have friends of every sort of race now, which is great because you do get to understand the world and and the more that you mix with people who don't look like you, the more you realise that everyone's the same. Like we all have the same, you know, desires and dreams. It doesn't matter what we look like on the outside, which I, I just love. I love that perspective. And, you know, if I had stayed, you know, just mixing with Anglo-Saxons, I would certainly never have had that view of the world. As you're talking, I can just feel your growth. No, thank I, you. And, and I don't, you know, I obviously we've spoken briefly before, but we've never met. Yes. And it's extraordinary to sort of feel just from your conversation, the growth that you've had from two, two sort of tragedies. Am I on the right lines in making that assumption? Yeah, 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 totally. And, you know, I'm completely different to who I was. Um, I actually even look younger now than what I did. When I'm on stage, I actually show a photo of my two passport photos, one yeah. from 2007 and one from 2017. And, you know, I look 10 years younger in the, um, in the, in the newest passport than I do in the older one. And that's only because I have worked on myself and I'm also yeah. living my life on purpose. And when you're living your life on purpose, you will always look younger because your life is just, you, you understand. And as I say, you just keep questioning everything, you know, like, is this the right perspective to actually spend time questioning everything you believe? is the greatest gift that you can give Mm. not only to yourself but to everyone in your life because you do start to realise that life is – we're all meant to be joyous. We're all meant to be thriving. We all, you know, start off to survive, but that's not where we're meant to end up. We're meant to be thriving. And when you know that – And when you start to really delve into every area of your life, how can I thrive in this area? You know, how can I thrive mentally? How can I thrive, you know, physically? How can I thrive on a wealth creation level, you know, in my expertise? Then even spiritually, how can I thrive? And it really, yeah, it is. And I just love it because it it makes you want to be better. Okay. And I heard a saying not so long ago, and I thought it was so true. And and it was, most people spend more time planning their annual holiday than they do their life. <laughs> the, the reason I'm laughing because I, I, you know, over the years you, when you're at work and stuff, you see people. Yeah. And I'm not so, you know, they this the seriousness and the sort of the precision. 
and the focus that goes into planning a holiday is just, you know, it's just military yep. precision. Yep. And then they wonder why they have a shit life. Mm. You know, it's because you haven't put any planning into it. Like, you know, we it's it is about looking at every area of your yeah. life and planning and saying, well, this is who I want to be in this area. So what is the action steps? What are the skills that I require to move me from where I am now to where I'm there? And most people give up because it's like, oh, it's all too hard. Yeah. I'll just sit down and I'll watch this next Netflix, you know, Netflix series or this or that. And it's like, no, spend time on you. It's your life. You know, there's a book by um, Bronnie Ware an Australian palliative care nurse, and it's called The Five Regrets of the Dying. And she interviewed a lot of palliative care people, mainly men, and, you know, said, what what are your biggest regrets? And and the, the top five, you know, were um, – uh, I'll probably get them out of order, but anyway, the top five were, I wish that I hadn't spent so much time working – I wish I'd stayed in contact with my friends. I wish that I had lived a life true to me. Um, and I wish I had, um, I can't think of the other two. But, you know, they're all along the lines of things that you can easily change. And easy, you know, so that I am living my life. So I have no regrets when, you know, I move on to my next adventure. And I don't, and most people do not live their life like that. You know, I'm, I make sure that every relationship in my life has improved. Mm. I chose to stop drinking. Um, I, I decided 2019 was going to be my alcohol free year and I did it so easily. And I, and I now feel that I'll probably never have an alcoholic drink again because from, you know, what I found, and it was, you know, through reading a book, that I get actually no benefits from drinking. Sure, we all think we do, um, but we, I get none. And yeah. so what's the point of me sitting there having an alcoholic drink, whereas, you know, and I didn't really like who I was. I, I would fly off the handle over nothing and, you know, I would not remember conversations, and I didn't like that mm. about me. So that's why I chose to stop drinking. And I have to say that through that choice, every relationship in my life has improved, especially the one with myself. Yeah, which is the most important one. It is the most important one, but so many of us don't realize that. We yeah. forget about ourselves. And there's another great saying that, you know, if you feel there is something missing in your life, maybe it's you. Yeah. Which is really That's important. That's an interesting one. I've not heard that before. It's such a great one because yeah. it because when you think about it, you know, I, I think back to my corporate days. I, I felt there was something missing in my life. And I can tell you right now, it was me. Yeah. You know, I was doing for everyone else. I was not doing for me. And you could see just by looking at me that I was not looking after myself, not only physically, but in every other yeah. way. Yeah, but it's great to feel your evolution because I 100% get that from the conversation we've had up to this point. Can I, can I just go back a little bit? So Yeah, sure. So life coaching, so you had all this yeah. stuff happen, yeah. these, these tragedies, and then you got into life coaching. So 
I know I know that you had the trip to to, to LA. What, what was yeah. that? Was that? If I let you instead of me asking, I let you tell me a little bit about that because I want to get the connection about how you got into coaching. What was that pivotal okay. moment? Okay, well, it, it was from Braveheart Women that we I, I did some courses with them, and yeah. then I learned how to become a, a life coach. And then from there, I initially thought I was going to uh, work with women okay. to uh, in in to rise in the corporate space as women, not as men as I had done. I was very masculine in, you know, in every way. And it just never took off the way that I thought that it would. And then I had this, a few years ago, I had this amazing lady who was helping to market me. And we met up with a lady from Macquarie Bank, which is a, a investment bank in Australia. And she, um, not to work with her, just to have a conversation with her. And during that conversation, I had this greatest realization, and look, the lady was was beautiful. She was nice. She was everything, right? So, and so, what I'm about to say, you wouldn't feel that I would have got at this from this lady, but I, during the conversation, I thought, oh my god, I don't want to work with these women. I don't want to be around them. They know everything. They don't want to change. They think that they're living the best life possible. And they are exactly who I used to be. And I would never have listened to anyone like me when I was in that space. And I thought, oh, my God, I have just spent four years getting to this stage and realising that I don't even want to be around these women. Like, these are my women that I want to work with. What am I, what am I doing? And after that meeting, the lady who I was working with, the marketing lady, she said to me, and I told her about it, she said, oh, my God, Karen, I could see you change during the meeting. She said, your whole, you know, physicality just changed. And I went, oh, okay. hope she didn't pick it up. She said, no, she didn't pick it up. And then, and then she said, I don't know you that well. She said, but I don't understand why you're not working with people, you know, who have, you know, come through grief or who are going through grief or doing all that she said look the way that I have seen you and who you are and how you have trans you know you know you've moved beyond not only as you know you pointed out you know the death of your son but also losing your job and and you're the most positive person I've ever met and when she said it I went I'm not offended, like, by what you said, because she did uh, preface that. And I said, and I was told this years ago, I said, but it was too early. I was told it, like, in 2013, which was only two years after Dan passed. And when I was told that that's that's where I'd be working, I went, nah, I don't want to be around those people. They're too sad. but, But because I had done so much more, and I had created my programs, you know, my Live Love by Design programs, <clears throat> and I and I had my wellness will, and I was so much further along that I went, "You're right, I can work with those people, and 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 I can really help them." And and it was just from there that then I just built it all out, and then I created, you know, I just added a bit to the forefront of the program to help them transition through grief through, you know, more study that I did, which is an amazing process, you know. In our three-day retreat, we go from Friday morning to Sunday lunchtime where they will move beyond 
any loss event that they have and they will have unwrapped the gift. And then on the Sunday afternoon, that's when we go through the Live Love by Design program where they start to look at every area of their life and decide, right, this is where I am, this is where I want to be. So they can set the action steps in place so that they can move on. So who they are on Friday morning to who they are on Sunday night is absolutely unbelievable and even though initially I thought that I'd wasted those four or five years on that journey nothing has been wasted everything I created everything that I did has now all just rolled into this so yeah. it, and that and that in itself is so many times we think oh my god I've wasted time I shouldn't have done this career I shouldn't have done this but every single skill and every single experience is creating who you are and it's taking you on a path that may seem disconnected. Like, let's face it, I was a CFO and now I'm a beyond lost mentor. They seem completely different, but they're not. It's the way that I bring them in together and, you know, I go into businesses and I help them to make their employees more profitable by them understanding their employees. It's something I never really did when I was a CFO. I understood the numbers, not the people. Now I understand how connected the people and the profits really are. And the more that you assist your people, the more, you know, you will actually have a thriving company, not just on profits, but in every single way. You'll have a company where people want to line up and work for you because you understand your people and so i'm I'm still using it all you know because i understand it so well okay so you go into businesses as well so you do your you help individuals and are these connected yeah well they are connected in a way because i guess the businesses feed into my retreat uh my beyond lost retreat so yeah so when i go into businesses i i help them to understand their employees i help them to be able to talk to their employees the way the employees want to be talked to the i help them to you know give the employees a a program where they can actually become who they want to be and in all areas of their life, it's it's just a wellness program. Like, you know, we expect our employees for so many years, we expected them to rock up and be one-dimensional and leave all of their life at the door and just totally focus on, you know, their tasks for the day. It's not possible. It's, it's, it's not possible. And, you know, we're not one-dimensional. And the more that we understand, that the more that we actually help our people to thrive, our business will thrive. And that's what I point out to people. And, okay. you know, and, and it's amazing the changes that they get and they're so easy to implement. It's not as though it's a, you know, a big year-long program. No, it's not. And I'm refining it more and more all the time so that it is even easier. And, and a lot of it is, you know, it comes back to questionnaires. Have you actually even asked your people? Like, yeah. you, you know, how many times does a senior manager implement a new system and they haven't even asked their employees for their advice will this work won't it work you know and and the people are struggling to implement it and they're going well if they'd asked me i would have told them if they just did this it would work and it's like do you even ask you people and and i'm i i was guilty of that you know i knew, I knew best and it's well, it's not yeah the i case. think it's quite easy i think it's quite easy to get in that Unless you have someone like you that comes in and 
from the outside, I think businesses get can get quite lost. Yeah, and and you know, like I was lost. You know, I I thought the way that I did everything was the quickest, the best. Everyone should do it my way, which is total BS. There's an infinite number of ways to do anything. So why is my way the one and only way? You know, we stifle creativity. We stifle their um, innovation by the way that we pocket hole them into this is what you do and this is it. Whereas we, we sat back and actually gave our employees some time to just sit and contemplate, to ask them a question, you know, is there a better way to do this? And when you are given the time to, you know, to take that conscious loving breath, you know, the one where you breathe deep down into your belly and you fill yourself up with all the love and the wisdom that is required to answer this question. So allowing your employees to actually do that without continually pushing them and pushing them, they will come up with so many, you know, amazing creative and I'm not talking about creative accounting because we go for, <laughs> for that but um but, you know, it's, CFO yeah. you give them no, just no, some, that's, a few that's little a, gems that's a typical, that's a typical <laughs> CFO joke you know and it but it is about getting your people to buy in you know when they can see their fingerprint on any design they're going to back that design yeah. to the hill because yeah. they're not they're not going to bring it down as they will when they don't see their fingerprint on that design. So why wouldn't you ask your employees for their opinion, especially when you're implementing something that really is going to, in your mind, make a huge difference to the company? Mm. Your employees are, you know, they're your gold. And yeah. so many times they're treated like, oh, we're, you're irreplaceable. You know, there's a dime a dozen of you. Sure. They may be irreplaceable, uh, re replaceable, but let's be honest, it's going to take eight months to a year for that new person to come up to speed to what that employee was. And you're also going to lose a lot of IP that is in that person's head yeah. that you're not even aware of. So yeah. why not embrace your employees and love them and actually help them to be an intricate part of your business. And that's that's what I do and that's why I love it because I now understand people. I've always understood profits. So now bringing the two of them together, it just makes so much sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I guess as well that takes care of two things. It takes care of, you know, company culture morale. Yeah. And also, and also that that's obviously going to help with the profits, which is kind of like what it's all about. Yep, and that you know, makes the shareholders happy. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, so many times we focus on the shareholders more than we do the employees. Mm -hmm. the, shareholders are, the shareholders are not the ones that are in there on the day-to-day -day stuff yeah. that can make those profits. Start, flip your focus and realise that every single person in that chain, whether they're an employee, whether they're a customer, or whether they're a shareholder, they're all equal. There is no one over anyone else. And the more equal that you see them, the more you treat them as equal, the more you will thrive. Absolutely. A couple of questions I've got. So I might be skipping a little bit, but That's I'm, okay. quite, you can I'm, I'm quite keen to... Our conversation get... has gone all over the place. <laughs> well, no, but it's great because it's, it's, it's covering, you know, some really 
interested in important subjects. So, but there's a couple of things that I'm keen, from a selfish perspective, to to ask. So your retreat, yep, which sounds amazing. So just to get an idea of your course, your people could probably hear that you're Australian. You're based in Australia. Yep. So yep. if people are interested in your, I guess, training or being coached by you, yep. is, is there an online facility yep. or is it? There is. Okay. Yes, there is an online facility, yep. yep. And um, some of it, it, well, a lot of it's via Zoom. Um, okay. But I also, there also isn't like an online program part that they do exactly by themselves. But you know what? If anyone's interested in, you know, getting 20 people together for a treat, I'll come to them. Okay. Because okay. it's. You know, I'll do retreats anywhere. I just, you know, require 20 to make it viable okay. for me to travel. But to be quite honest, it, the the online is, um, you know, it takes longer because, it, you know, you won't do it in just three days, whereas the face-to-face is great. And where I'm holding it in Australia, it's um, northern New South Wales, which is just over the border of Queensland. I live in Queensland. And it's at the Mantra on Salt Beach. Now, they're 30 metres from, you know, the Mantra to the beach. Amazing facility. It sounds amazing. It, it is. And if you if you go online and you just have a look at, you know, the, the web page for it, you'll, you'll see the facility. And, you know, a lady said to me who lives in this area, where is that? And I said, it's down at Salt Beach. And she goes, I've only lived in this area for six months. Are you telling me we can drive to that beach? And I went, yes, it's like a 20-minute drive from where we are. And she she was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to go there. And, you know, like I purposely chose the mantra because yeah. uh, I love the name of – because that's exactly what we're doing at the retreat. We're helping people to create a new mantra for the rest of their life. And it's it's just amazing. I just love it. And, you know, it's it can be a little bit tough. Like, you know, you're asking yourself a lot of questions. You are you are delving deep into who you are so that you can decide who you want to be. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's a little bit tough, but we're there to help you and and the way that it's guided and the way that it you know is spread out, it's um it's it's just amazing transformation. That's, that's, yeah. it's, it sounds it. So there's a couple of points that you made at the top of the show which I'm, you know, I've, I've written down because I was interested in. So one was 40 separate loss events. So can you maybe yeah. expand upon that a little bit? Okay. And, you know, they range, you know, obviously the major ones, a death of a loved one, a divorce, a job loss, you know, your health, your wealth, even your pets, you know, but there can be some obscure ones as well. Well, not obscure, just, you know, things that we may not think are loss, moving house. Um, having a new baby come into your home, getting married, uh, you know, coming back after a separation, you know, so many people break up and then they come back. There's a loss in all of these things, empty nesters. I had a lady, um, I was at a, a, I was speaking at an event a couple of weeks ago and I had my Beyond Lost brochures there and a lady came up to me and she said to me, Karen, can you help my friend? And I said, well, you know, what's going on in your friend's life? And she said, her 11-year-old son is in the process of transitioning into her daughter and she's not coping. And I went, yes, I can. 
I can help her. And what we will do, and, and this is what happens at the retreat, right? We end up completing the relationship. So there's three components to every relationship. There's a physical, there's an emotional, and there's a spiritual. So it's the physical relationship, you know, where we hang out together, the things we do, the things we say, the way we touch each other. It's a physical relationship that ends with the loss event. So whether they're alive or dead, we will never, ever hang out with them the same way that we used to. The emotional relationship is is all-encompassing of all of our feelings, the good, the bad, the glad and the sad. And it's the emotional relationship that causes us all the angst because okay. we, we, we're on a roller coaster and we don't know where to bring it in. Our spiritual component is that connection, you know, the intangible connection that we have that we're not really sure why we have this connection. We just know that we have this connection and it could be to a person, a place or a thing. So the emotional and the spiritual will live on forever. And what the Gift of Loss program does, the, you know, where I move people beyond losses, are we help them to have a healthy emotional relationship moving forward. And one part of that is for you to complete the previous relationship. And the completion process is where you apologize, you forgive, and you acknowledge. So in the case of this lady with her, her son transitioning into a girl, what would happen is she would complete the relationship with her son, right? So that okay. she could then have a healthy emotional relationship with her daughter moving forward. Mm. And and I just loved the fact, like this was one loss that I certainly wasn't very conscious to me. I'm sure I'm aware that it is happening in the world. But more importantly, isn't it great that we're in a world now that we can have these conversations I'm sure this has happened for, you know, centuries and centuries, but it was kept quiet. Um, but isn't it great that people can now not only have a conversation about this, but also that we are able to assist people to move through any sort of loss event. And so many people unthinkingly are, oh, move on. Haven't you moved on from that? Like, that happened ages ago. Why, why haven't you moved on? You know, so people are suffering in silence because people seem to have an expectation that time always heals. And it doesn't. You, you, can, you can heal something in two weeks or you can heal it in 20 years. You know, the time period is your choice and it's just about understanding what is this process. And that's what I assist people to, um, to learn is not only the process, they then have a process that they can use for the rest of their life, no matter what loss event is going to come to them. They also have an understanding of what to say when other people are going through their loss event because let's face it we don't know what to say we yeah, say the most true. horrific we say the most horrific things but you know i even had some people say to me well at least you have other children and i just looked at them and i'm like seriously and it's and like i understood that that was them yeah. being uncomfortable and not knowing what to yeah. say but i help people to understand what to say and at the end of the day, you know, you don't know what to say and there is nothing wrong with actually saying, I have no idea what you're going through, but I'm here for you. Just tell me the best way I can be here for you. Mm -hmm. That's all you have to say. It's not that hard, you know, yeah. and, and, and people will be, oh, thank you. 
Because yeah. even if I met someone who has lost their son, I don't know what they're going through because every relationship is unique. So I do not know what they're going through. And so why would I say, oh, yeah, I've been there, I've done that, I know what you're going through, because I don't. And but, it's really important for people to understand that, that, you know, we all honour our relationships in all very, you know, different ways. And I certainly disrespected Dan and myself when I went straight back to work. But now that I'm aware of the process... That's why I love sharing it because it's time that we all knew how to move beyond loss. Yeah, that's really good advice because everybody, I, I say everybody because... Everybody will have loss in their life. You yeah. cannot escape it. Yeah, and also I think everybody doesn't know what to say to people when yeah. people are going through a situation and the way that you have broke that down and by saying... Actually, I, re I really don't know what to say to you, but yeah. I'm here for you. Something along those lines, because, you know, I have conversations with people and, and they're like, I don't know what to say. What did you say? Because I don't know what to say either. Yeah, say it. And, 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 you know, and the person who's going through it going, I don't know what to say either. Mm. Like, I, you know, because they don't. And yeah. no matter what anyone says, it may be right or it may be wrong. So just Absolutely. say, I don't know what to say. But I'm here for you. I'm here to listen and then listen. You know, don't add your judgment. Don't add these things in. You know, like I've, I've had, you know, friends. I had a girlfriend who separated from her husband of 10 years. And I, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. You know, I, I said, I really thought you guys would always make it. And she went, thank you for saying that. I've had everyone say to me, I've never liked him. And I always thought, <laughs> and, and, like, I've never liked him. I always thought he was, um, you know, shooting beyond where he could be anyway. And I did, and she and she went, I'm, I'm devastated by people saying that. I said, I don't blame you. Like, you've been married to him for 10 years. And if you're hanging out with these people and they turn around and go, well, I never liked him. It's like, so the last 10 years was a lie when we used to hang out as couples. You know, people don't realise what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they think they're comforting, but that's not comforting. Like, I was married to this guy for 10 years. How can you tell me you never liked mm. him? You know, like, yeah. and who cares now sort of thing. But anyway, they did end up getting back together, mm. and I'm really happy about that. But it's just it's just interesting what people say, and it's only because yeah. they're uncomfortable. And they need to realise it's not about them. It's about the other person. Yeah, it's great that you've highlighted that because it's certainly something that I struggle with. Oh, thank you, Paul. Yeah, 100% I struggle with that. And I know from experience that I've got friends and family and acquaintances that struggle with the same thing because we say it to each other. Yeah. So um, I know that lots of us will be able to learn from that. Something as well I think is very interesting because, again, because I think when we talk about grief, we always talk about or we think about sort of a loss of a loved one. But yeah. the way that you broke that down a second ago, you talked about it could be literally moving. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. I have a, I have so, a practice when I move now. Yeah. I have, a, I have a practice where I actually go into every room and I sit in there and I thank the room for the love that it has given me and the experiences that we've had in these rooms and everything. Because it, whether you're going up or down, you, you still, you know, have to honour the house. The house, we all, everything in this world is energy and the house has energy. And you can actually tell when a house is loved to, a, to when a house isn't loved. You know, you can drive past houses and you can see the ones that are loved and the ones that aren't. And 
it's about honouring the fact that you have lived here and thanking it and then going to the new house and, you know, and then welcoming it and all that sort of stuff. I had a girlfriend that moved from Sydney to the Sunshine Coast, which is probably about 1,200, you know, miles, uh, 1,200 kilometres uh, north. And she said, you know, it took her two months to be able to find her way home without the sat-nav because she would go different ways. And, you know, little things like that, it does cause, you know, little extra stress to maybe your life or, you know, different sort of experiences. And it took her two years before she was in a place where, you know, she'd found friends and she'd done all these different sort of things. And people don't understand that. Like, you've moved so what are you grieving about and she says well I do miss you know the old place and all this sort of stuff you know you miss the familiarity you miss the friends and things like that but people don't understand that but there is something for people to go oh yeah there is a loss there there's a gain as well but it's just about people being conscious of you know yeah, things of like the that. range of different losses you can have yeah. so do you break that down for your students that because i guess because it's quite an interesting area because because i guess there's a lot of listeners that everybody moves and everybody yeah. does it and that's just one example but I'm, I'm i'm guessing that there's a lot more there are so, there's so many more you know it could be um your children starting school your children finishing yeah. school there's you know there's so many different things Anything that, that moves you from ch- – anything that's change. Okay, and okay. And we have change. There, and where there is change, there can be loss. Yeah, and you, okay. it, And when you start to realise that, you know, people are like, well, change is a part of life, and it is a part of life. Mm. But there is also a process that you can actually – you know, the, the quicker you realise that, what this change is going to bring to you as opposed to what you're going to lose, you you can then more easily move on. And yeah. And that's yeah. and that's, you know, as I said, it always comes back to the questions. Yeah. And people don't and, ask those questions. Yeah. And just for clarity, so when you're teaching people about dealing with grief, you're teaching them regardless of what the that grief is, is recognition, but also a way to yeah. close off yep. whatever whatever Complete. that situation is. Yep. It's all about completing the relationship, okay. the emotional relationship, okay? okay? And and understanding because just because the physical relationship has changed, it doesn't mean the emotional or the spiritual has. So it's about recognizing that. And it's the emotions okay. that it's the emotions that cause us all the grief. Gotcha. Once, gotcha. once you have gotcha. a healthy emotional relationship, well, you won't be grieving. You know, oh, you, you, yeah, that's what, and that's what it's all about. That's okay. what the process is all about. But you've, you know, it's, it's an amazing three days. Yeah. And, you know, it. and if it's done online, you know, we do it over different sessions, um, five or six sessions, which is, which is great. Sounds it. And the idea of doing it in Australia appeals anyway, because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in the UK as you can probably tell by my voice and we're not always guaranteed wonderful weather so I, I guess the weather is more often than not is very nice where you are yeah but we do get rain as well but we don't get the cold as much with the rain like you guys do yeah. so yeah but yeah so th- this episode is called the journey to becoming my own best friends can you break that down what that means for you yeah i, I, I guess from the starting point to where you are now 
Yeah, so the the starting point, it, you know, when I when I started to realize that that's exactly the journey that I was on, you know, I I use the analogy of of the way you treat your best friend, you know, you you you're always there for her, you're always, you know, willing to assist them, you're willing to be, you know, talk to them and sure you're tough with them at times, but you're also, you know, their greatest fan. And when you think about yourself being your own best friend you start to think the way I talk to myself the way I you know bring myself down imagine if I did that with my best friend you know she wouldn't be your best friend for very long so it's about realizing that the way you treat yourself is as important as the way that you treat your friends so that's why I call it the journey becoming your own best friend because you know, you want to be able to stand in the mirror like I do every morning and give yourself the old Fonzie salute. You know the one, yeah. yay, <laughs> sort of thing. And and that's what that's what I do, as opposed to a lot of people. They stand in the mirror and they pull this apart and they do this and all that sort of stuff. One of my spiritual practices is to stand in um, to hold a mirror to my face and listen to a love song and you know. Um, Jason Mraz, I Won't Give Up, is one of my favourite songs. And initially when you first do that, you know, to stand looking at yourself for four minutes, it can seem like a really long time, especially, you know, oh, my eyebrows need plucking or this or that or whatever. Um, but to actually get past all of that and to seriously stare into your eyes, it's one of the best spiritual practices you'll ever do because when you can love who you are, not from an ego perspective, but from a I've got your back perspective, it really is a great way to live your life. Your, your answer is a really good answer because it, it breaks it down for me so I understand. So ultimately you you treat yourself like you would treat your best friend and you don't sort of take yourself for granted. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. really, you know, that's amazing, amazing to hear and I'm sure yeah. a lot of and listeners you, you, will, will, yeah. think, will think about that. Thank you. And, you know, the, the one thing about being your own best friend is you learn how to say no. Yeah. Because a lot of the time we say yes, and it's really important that before you actually say yes to any request, you actually say to yourself, if I say yes to this, am I saying no to me? Yeah. And so many times you'll come back and you'll go, yeah, I am. So that's when you learn how to say no. Because you realize, well, if I do that, it's going to drain all my energy and I'm not going to do what I want to do and mm. I'm not going to, you know, I've got this assignment to do or I've got this, you know what I mean? And so many times we just say yes and then we're in, you know, we get... Yeah, absolutely. We've we all done that. Annoyed. Yeah, we've all yeah. done it. So just yeah. have that little pause in between and just say, if I say yes, am I saying no to me? And and yeah, that... really good. I know. And that's it is. a really and, and good way to look at that. Yeah, and, and that's the way you become your own best friend. And it's okay. and it's I not that. that you're being selfish, it's you're being, well, you know what I mean? No, because I'm moving myself forward. Um, so, yeah. You know what? I'm. Can I, can I use that myself, can I? It is my gift to you. Oh, wonderful. I love that. I've never heard that before. Yeah, I'm writing it down as we speak. That's why there's a little pause. Yeah, yeah. And it's important for people to have those pauses, you know, have a pause before you respond. Take a breath. You know, our breath is the, is the, is our life. 
And the more we fill ourselves up consciously with our breath, the more that we actually tune in to our intuition, into our knowing, and the more that you actually start to live the, your best life. Yeah, perfect, perfect. So something you, you mentioned earlier, and I'm sure people listening to this are thinking, Paul, can you ask her a question around this? So so I can't let you go about asking you this question. So you mentioned there's nine areas of life. Can yep. you expand on that? Okay. So the nine areas of life for me are mentally uh, – I've got to get them in the order, right? So I've got a blank. How funny is this? Okay. Let me start again. They might be out of order, but anyway, I'll do it. So mentally, financially, professionally, family, socially – Physically, spiritually, emotionally, and environmentally. Now, that's nine, right? And that's a lot to remember. So what I've done is I've broken it down into four pillars, which are all about you, all about your relationships, all about your expertise, and all about your wealth creation. Now, I purposely said them in that order. You, your relationships, your expertise, and your wealth creation. That's the ideal way for you to live your life. Most people do it the other way around. They go, okay, this is the wealth that I want, and to get that I have to do this profession, and then along the way I'll gather a few relationships, and then I'll look after myself. And that's why we burn out, and that's why we're unfulfilled, because we haven't put ourselves first. So when you top yourself up first, you then uh, work from overflow, and that's how you can be there and do things for everyone. It's like the you know little analogy on the plane: put your own oxygen mask on first before you assist others. It's it's that's how we okay. should be living each day. Okay, got you, got you. And are these what you would teach? So if yes, yes. So this is what listeners this, this, this that are is, yeah. This is what I this is what I taught. So when I first started on my you know the uh, journey. I created uh, my wellness wheel and I created the pillars and all that. And that's what I was teaching women how to live and love. And then I've added just to the front of it is the loss component. So as we go through moving beyond loss, we then can, uh, and then on the Sunday afternoon is we go through all of that. And, you know, whether we do it online or not, the ending is always understanding all of your pillars, your areas of life, focus on it on a weekly basis. Sure, you're not going to spend the same amount of time in each of them, but you will be spending time of them each week. And the more conscious you are about it, you know, the things that you're reading, the the shows that you're watching, the people that you're hanging out with, you know, from a mental point of view, are they bringing you up or bringing you down? You know, starting to understand these things, is incredible because then you can say, okay, this is why I'm, you know, not going ahead in life. It could be the people that I'm hanging around in, the environments that I'm mixing in. You know, if you're a drug addict, to get off drugs, you have to completely move your environment. You cannot hang around in that same environment and expect to be clean. It's the same sort of thing. You've got to understand, you know, who are you hanging out with? And, you know, are they bringing you up or bringing you down? And and it's always, as I keep saying, it's the questions that you're asking yourself and the, the awareness that you bring to your life. You know, you look at anyone who's successful, they didn't get there just by rolling along. They consciously made it happen. Absolutely. No, this is gold dust in terms of 
the information Thank because you. we do just take things for granted. So you're packaging it together for, I guess, all your students will get this on the course, right? Yeah, yeah. they totally do. Yep, okay. that's exactly it. So we move them beyond loss so that they can have a healthy emotional relationship so that they've, they've removed all of these obstacles that are stopping them from living and loving their life. So once we remove all of these past events that are bringing them down and causing them angst, we then design the life that they can live and love, which is why I call my business Live Love by Design. Okay, okay, makes sense. As you're talking, I'm thinking that a lot of the what you've described i think should be taught you know at an earlier age for i totally agree everything for everybody I teach, everything for everybody. i teach should be taught you know I, I i spoke about you know i was in my fifth college yeah it should be taught at school high school yeah, school school you know and um i was in my 50s when i understood myself biochemically mm. you know and i know we had biochemistry at school why the hell didn't the teacher say if you learn nothing else learn and listen to this to understand your body on a biochemical level will create an amazing vessel for you to live the rest of your life yeah. I, you know, I should have learnt it 30 years, consciously learnt it. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure we learnt it, but it went in one ear and out the other. But to to break it down into layman's terms so that we can understand these things, that's what I do. And, yeah. you know, I really do believe, as you said, Paul, everything that I teach should be taught at a younger level. And right. imagine the world if we all understood mm. this. Imagine how much higher consciously we all would be because we would then be consciously living our life. We wouldn't be sitting there on the couch in blame game over something that happened to us when we were, you know, whatever age. We would mm. have moved beyond that loss event and we would be living and loving our lives. And, and that's why I love what I do. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I commend you. I, I hope. Maybe in a couple of years we're talking, maybe we're doing another episode and we're talking about actually there is evidence that this actually is being taught in schools because... Oh, I'd love I, it. I, yeah, I, I definitely feel that there's tremendous value and requirement for that to happen. So I've got my yeah. fingers crossed as, as, as we're talking. Yeah. So, so we're getting towards the end now. So I've got a question that I ask everybody, which is... If you could invite three inspirational people for dinner, who would Karen invite? Oh, good question. Um, oh, I I remember. And they, and they can be and, with us. They don't yeah, have to yeah. Be, you know, so well, you've, you've got that. You've got carte okay. blanche in that regard. So I guess one of them would be Brendan Bouchard because I've learnt a lot from Brendan. Um, I don't know if you know who he no, I'm is. Not familiar. Okay, so he, Brendan is an American. Um, I guess he's a he's a motivational coach. He's a high performance coach. Um, I've learned a lot from him. He is actually amazing. So one of them would be Brendan. The other one would be Princess Diana. I um, read a book recently and not, and it wasn't about her life as such you know because that's yeah that's like so 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 but yeah. i read a book and it's by stuart pierce who's an englishman and he coached princess diana for a couple of years before she passed on her developing her signature note in the way that she spoke 
Okay. And, okay. and it was through his coaching that she actually became the Queen of Hearts um, because she she delved into it so much. So that it, so that's why I would pick Princess Diana to go into that sort of side of it. And the third person would be my younger me. So okay, I could wow. tell her all about this. Do you think she would, would listen, though? Um, I'd like to think she would, depend on yeah. what age I got her. Um, yeah. Oh, I, if, if I told her to put the glass of wine down and okay, to okay. listen, I think she You'd would. Get her at the right time. Yeah, but then I wouldn't be who I am now, but I wonder who I would be. So, yeah, that would be the three people. Fabulous, fabulous. And so where can the listeners find you? Okay, so I have two websites. So one of them is Karen Chaston, spelled C-H-A-S-T-O-N, dot com. And I also have LiveLoveByDesign.com. They can get me on either of those websites. If you want to have a look at the retreat, just go to KarenChaston.com forward slash retreat and you can see all the amazing things. But And you can also email me at Karen at KarenChaston.com.au. Okay, fa- fabulous. And this will be on the show notes. And if people are interested in a retreat, they can email you around that or if they're keen to talk to you about doing something online. Yeah, I might actually send you, Paul, also those two photos of me, my two passport photos for the show oh, wonderful. notes. So people yeah, can actually see the difference and yeah. have a laugh on my expense. So, yeah. But also to well, see I... what's possible when you learn how to live and love your life. Yeah, which is really important. And just, I, I guess my last question would be, you know, if there are people that are struggling now, there's, you know, they're dealing with some element of grief, whether it be you know because i've learned a lot i put grief around losing a, a friend or a loved one but it can be something which isn't yeah. as obvious as that what, what would your advice to those guys be to be kind to themselves and uh to listen to their intuition and to reach out because there's there's no need to be grieving and suffering life is way too short you know let's face okay. it dan passed at 27 he was just yeah. at the start of his life um, yeah. And there's there is no there's no reason to be grieving and suffering. And if it is from a death of a loved one, I'm pretty sure that they don't want you grieving and suffering. They want you living and loving your life. Okay, well, wonderful advice. So, Karen, thank you so much. I've had so much fun and I've learned so much. That's one of the the, the wonderful things about doing this podcast is I get to meet wonderful people like you and learn so much. So, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Paul. And I've learnt too. I always learn on every conversation as well. So thank you. Wonderful. Well, you, you gave me that magic word, lessons. Yes, I've, I've got a few of them. I don't take it, to, I don't take it so literally now. I, I sort of get to sort of delve into the meaning. Yeah, and yeah. Start looking at the English words. It's surprising how when you break the words down, yeah. how they actually are guiding you on how to live and love your life. Yeah, I've never done that before. So I definitely need to do that and maybe be messaging you for a few, <laughs> for a few more sort of key ones where I can sort of del- delve in a little bit further yeah so so thank you everybody for listening to another edition of my perfect failure you can find me at www.myperfectfailure.com twitter is failure underscore perfect insta is pads 
MPF and please, please, please leave a review. That's always very much appreciated. And please look out for future episodes of My Perfect Failure. Thank you very much, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to My Perfect Failure podcast. Be sure to visit www.myperfectfailure.com to join the conversation. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Look out for our next episode.